It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about your empowerment with knowledge so you can take better control of your life and make better financial decisions in your life. We're doing a special show today, completely different than what you might normally hear, about a topic that the number of questions we're getting is going up and up and up, and it's things about Social Security People just don't really get as they're trying to advise their parents or they're trying to make a decision themselves. So we have the honor of having a very special guest who has made it her business to become an expert on how Social Security works for you and to know how to make it work for you. And Mary Beth Franklin is with us, certified financial planner, financial journalist, podcaster, and author of the book, Maximizing Your Social Security Benefits. Now, when you write about something like this, Mary Beth, do you advise people to read it early in the day? Is it dry reading or is it something that they find gripping, like reading a mystery novel? Well, it may not be tantalizing like a mystery novel, but it sure is important. And I'll tell you, with more than 2,700 rules that govern Social Security benefits, there's plenty of mystery in there. Well, one thing that is a mystery to most anybody who's reaching age 62 is why I am so opposed to them taking their Social Security at 62, at their full retirement age, why I am somebody who's just so terrible to them saying, no, I want you to wait eight more years. Why am I obsessed, and so many other people who talk about Social Security, with delaying taking that first check till their 70th birthday? Well, there is a huge payoff for people who can afford to wait. And those are people who are healthy enough, meaning you have to be around to be able to collect that bigger benefit later, and wealthy enough in the sense of if I don't claim at my earliest available age of 62, what am I doing for money in between? Now, for most people, you're still working, problem solved. But even for people who retire from a job early, they can still benefit by waiting up until age 70 to collect the biggest Social Security benefit possible. And here's the numbers. We have been living in virtually a zero interest rate environment for the last decade. Now, that may change going forward. But For the people who are willing to delay claiming Social Security beyond their full retirement age, which is anywhere between 66 and 67, depending when you're born, up until age 70, you get a whopping 8% per year to wait. So if my full retirement age is 66 and I wait till 70, I get an extra 32%, nearly increasing my Social Security benefit by a third for every month for the rest of my life. Where else are you going to get that? Right. Nowhere else. But, you know, the pushback I get from people is, well, how do I know I'm not going to die before my 70th birthday? How do I know I'm not going to wait? And the break-even point is like when I'm 82 or whatever, and you're having me wait for this, and I'm going to lose all this money because I'm going to pass away before that time comes. 
What do you say to people who, who have written their own obituary already before they've had their first Social Security check? Well, my first reaction is, you'll be dead. What do you care? <laughs> but when we get beyond that, <laughs> because we have this terrible aversion to loss, we are more worried about what we might lose than maybe that big bump up if we're patient and willing to wait. So the first thing I say to people is, it's a very individual decision. But generally, people would benefit by waiting, particularly in this era where pensions have virtually gone away. For most Americans, Social Security may be the only form of guaranteed retirement income that you will receive every month for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live, and it's cost of living adjusted. Even private pensions in general are not adjusted for inflation unless you were retiring from the federal government. The other thing I say is married couples pay attention because what so many people don't realize is that you have two spouses, they may each individually have their own Social Security retirement benefit. But when one person dies, the bigger benefit is going to continue as the survivor benefit and the smaller one goes away. So by having at least one spouse, preferably the one with the bigger Social Security benefit, who is typically the husband, who is typically going to die before the wife, if he waits till 70, he has locked in not just the biggest retirement benefit possible while they're both alive, but if he dies first, he has now created the largest possible survivor benefit for his widow and her smaller benefit then goes away. I'm so glad you mentioned that because something I've wanted to talk to you about that you talk a lot about, you write a lot about, is claiming the spousal benefit. That if uh, you have an imbalance, so you, you mentioned roughly a third of couples, the guy earns more, I mean, two thirds, and like a third of couples now, the woman has earned more over her working lifetime. And so there's special claiming strategies that involve not waiting till age 70 to claim a spousal benefit and people are like spousal what? So can you explain how that works and then what you do later in that case? Absolutely. So social security has all different kinds of benefits. We think of it mainly as a retirement benefit. We paid into it all our life through our FICA tax contributions. And when we retire, we get this monthly benefit. Well, you basically have to pay to play the social security game. You contribute taxes throughout your career, you get a benefit. But there are some people, maybe you have a spouse who has stayed home and taken care of the kids her whole life. She does not have a social security benefit. She has not contributed long enough, which is essentially at least 10 years of work to be covered. But because she's married to someone who has a social security benefit, once he claims his, she is then entitled to a spousal benefit, which is worth up to half of his benefit just because she's married to him. And I'm saying he and she, it's actually gender neutral. Um, but in many cases, we have that wife who has her own social security benefit, and she's also married to somebody who has one. So technically, she's entitled to both a retirement and a spousal benefit, but in most cases is only going to get the higher of the two. 
If my own benefit is, say, $1,500 a month, and my benefit as a spouse would have been $1,000, i am going to get that $1,500 a month. But there is this incredibly valuable claiming strategy still available to some people, depending on when you were born. So here's the magic birthday, January 1st, 1954. If you were born on or before January 1st, 1954, you may be able to do something special that could increase your lifetime Social Security benefits for your household by $100,000 or more over your joint lifetimes. So let me show you how this works. Say the date again that's the key determinant. January 1st, 1954. Essentially, you had to be born in 1953 or earlier, up to January 1st, 1954, which means by the end of 2021, you have to be at least 68 years old to take advantage of this. I'm gonna give you a real life example. I was born in December 15th, 1954. I missed the cutoff. I can't do anything fancy. But my husband was born in 1952. He could use this strategy. But in order for him to claim a spousal benefit on my work record, I had to claim my Social Security benefits. So last year, when I turned 66, I filed for my full Social Security benefits it made sense, it was my full retirement age, and any earnings restrictions that might reduce my benefits if I claim before full retirement age go away if I wait till my full retirement age to claim. So I claimed in December 2021, at that point, it triggered a spousal benefit from my husband. At that point, he filed for Social Security benefits using a strategy calling restricting your claim to spousal benefits. That means it says to Social Security, don't pay me my own retirement benefits. Let them keep growing by 8% a year up until age 70. But in the meantime, pay me only as a spouse. Give me half of Mary Beth's Social Security benefits. Now, that's in addition to my own benefits. It's not taking mine away. I get my full benefit and in addition, he gets half of my benefits. And when he turns 70 in March of 2022, he will then switch to his own maximum Social Security benefits that will now be 32% higher than they would have been. And that goes on for the rest of his life. If he should die before I do, I can then switch to those bigger benefits that he claimed that becomes my survivor benefit and then my smaller retirement benefit goes away. So this is an incredibly valuable strategy known as filing a restricted claim for spousal benefits, meaning I'm claiming them, but I am restricting the claim just to spousal benefits. And but you it can't is, do this anymore if you were born after the date certain. That is correct. That so, if you, so tell me if, if I am younger, but I've reached the age where I'm now uh, eligible for Social Security. What do I do as a married couple? What's left for me to do? I still believe in most cases, even though you can't do anything fancy if you're born after January 1st, 1954, it still makes sense to think of a Social Security claiming decision on a household basis rather than two individual people. 
I would still want one spouse, if possible, to wait up until age 70 to lock in that biggest retirement benefit possible that would likely translate into a biggest survivor benefit. But wait, there's more. It may make sense for the other spouse who has the smaller benefit. She may want to go ahead and claim it's 62 if she's not working or at her full retirement age if she is working because it brings some money into the household and takes away a bit of the sting of having the other person wait till 70. Because here's another little known fact. If I'm that wife who has collected my Social Security retirement benefits early and they're reduced because I'm claiming early, if my full retirement age is 66 and I claim at 62, I'm taking a 25% haircut for the rest of my life. But that only applies to my own retirement benefits. If I am later widowed and I am at least full retirement age at the time, I still switch to 100% of the survivor benefits that my husband is leaving me. So there so is this a- is cake and eat it too, Tom. Absolutely. So when I say, well, I want you to wait till 70, that's an oversimplification because in a married couple where one has higher lifetime earnings than the other, and often that person will be older than the person who earned less money, just typically male-female thing. So in that case, my advice of waiting till 70 is not correct for the lower-earning spouse. Again, I would say ideally one spouse should wait till 70. And the other, again, thinking of this as a coordinated household decision, the other spouse may want to claim at full retirement age or earlier, depending on their work status. Because another thing people don't seem to grasp is that, yes, you can claim Social Security benefits as early as age 62. They will be permanently reduced because you're claiming benefits earlier, so you get small more smaller checks over your lifetime, but there are earnings restrictions. And if I continue to have earnings from a job or self-employment, and I claim Social Security before full retirement age, now I'm going to temporarily lose some or all of those benefits depending on how much money I make. If I make more than about $51,000 next year, I'm gonna lose all those benefits. Once I get to full retirement age, any benefits I have lost due to excess earnings are restored in the form of larger monthly benefits going forward. But frankly, it's an accounting nightmare. My, my golden rule is if you plan to keep working, generally do not claim Social Security before your full retirement age. Because guess what? If you claim early and you think, well, I'm going to put fast one over on Social Security, I'm not going to tell them I'm working. Well, they talk to the IRS. They eventually figure it out, maybe two or three years later. And guess what? They'll send you a bill and say, you know what? We paid you too much. We'd like that back right now at a lump sum. Write us a check for $33,000. Do you really want to put yourself in that situation? Not a good idea. Well, there's so many wrinkles here. And I want to talk about something ahead on the podcast, Mary Beth Franklin. And I want to talk about Uh, When I talk to people that are under 40, they think that the tooth fairy is more real than Social Security. I want to talk about what people should be thinking about in terms of Social Security when they're younger. Is it going to exist? Anything like that. And that's coming ahead. And 
Mary Beth Franklin, as you can tell, is a brilliant expert on Social Security. And we haven't even said why, because it's that you're a graduate of the American University, class of 75. That's right, because I, I graduated early. <laughs> and I was class of 76 at American U. And somehow the education did a lot more for you than it did for me. Oh, I don't think so. We are American University Eagles together in the nation's capital. I would say that uh, much of my education came from living and later working in Washington. So from that sense, it was a good place to be. Well, and also one of the best football teams any college ever had. (laughs) If you consider (laughs) club football. Right. We will. We have more for you straight ahead about what does it mean if you're younger in this Social Security thing that you think of as your parent or grandparents thing? What's going to be the scoop on that? We're back with Mary Beth Franklin, expert extraordinaire on Social Security, in addition to a lot of other pointy-headed investment stuff. You, you're really, this is what you dedicate your life to, but Social Security area, you've kind of found your way there because people find it so incredibly confusing. You wrote your book, Maximizing Your Social Security Benefits. You do your podcast. You're a certified financial planner. I mean, you were like big time into helping people with their money. And when I talk to anybody under age 40, probably similar experience to you, they don't believe in their head, their heart, their bones, their body. They don't believe there will be any such thing as Social Security by the time they're ready to bag work. And do you believe like they do that this is an old people's program for today's old people and when they're older, it's not going to be there? Absolutely not. I believe Social Security is there for today's retirees and future retirees. Now, due to long-term funding problems, there will be changes going forward. And I do have some bona fides in this area as well. Uh, When I was a Capitol Hill reporter for United Press International back in the 80s, I covered the Social Security Commission um, on bipartisan reform. You didn't know they hired 12-year-olds back then, but they did. And they did some brilliant things back then in 1983. Uh, the person who headed the commission may be a name you would recognize, Alan Greenspan. Long before he was chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, he was chairman of the Bipartisan Commission on Social Security Reform. And back then, Social Security was in danger of going broke in 1983, of not being able to pay the fully promised checks. So they came up with this concept of let's change the structure a bit as far as raising taxes, um, uh, changing the benefit formula, gradually raising the full retirement age from what was then 65 to in the future, 67. But one of the smart things they did was they looked at, at the time, about 76 million baby boomers and said, wow, when these people start retiring around 2010, this is going to be a real strain on the system. So let's collect more tax revenue now, starting in the 80s, and build up these reserves that we call the Social Security Trust Funds so that there'll be this big chunk of money in the future when the boomers start retiring. And that's what happened up until about 
2010, in the wake of the Great Recession, there was enough money from ongoing FICA revenues to pay all the promised benefits. We got to around 2010, the combination of a lot of people being unemployed due to that recession and the beginning of the baby boomers retiring, there was not enough money from tax revenues alone to pay all those benefits. So they started tapping the interest that was earned on the trust fund. We've been doing that for the last 10 years. 2021 is the first year that that won't be sufficient. So in addition to tax revenues and interest on the trust funds, now we're going to have to start tapping the trust funds themselves. That is what the whole basis of the report when they say the trust funds are going to run dry around 2034. What does that mean? It means there would be no excess reserves left to pay benefits that the only money coming in would be from FICA taxes, which would pay about 75% of promised benefits at that point. Now, nobody is going to be satisfied with 75% of promised benefits. So Congress needs to do something in the form of maybe raising FICA taxes a bit to bring in more money, changing the benefit formulas, maybe even raising the full retirement age further. But don't panic. Maybe they raise the full retirement age to 70. For today's two-year-olds, they're going to live to 120. They'll get used to it. The best part of legislation, like the 1983, was nearly 40 years later, that piece of legislation is not fully implemented because the last piece of the full retirement age going to 67 doesn't kick in until 2027. We had more than 40 years to get used to the changes. What is not great changes was back in 2015, Congress changed two critical claiming strategies. They gave us six months notice before one disappeared. And this second one that you and I discussed earlier of the ability to file a restricted claim for spousal benefits was phased out over a four-year period. It's very hard for people to adapt when something as critical as Social Security, the basis of most retirement income plan, changes too quickly. We need decades to get used to change, not months or years. So going back to the fact that it's been almost 40 years since uh, the bipartisan commission today, you use the words bipartisan and people, you got to be talking about another country because we have this uh, angry political divide in America and distrust between the Republicans and the Democrats. So how do we get the next 40 years fixed? Because you're not talking about Social Security going away because you said it pretty quickly. You're saying that if we just keep going as we're going, the benefit people will receive will be three quarters of what prior Social Security recipients received. So there's still three quarters, but not the whole thing is there. How do we bridge this gap where we have this lack of trust to get these next 40 years set? Well, I'll take you back to 1983 when we had this Social Security reform the last time. Politically, that was no piece of cake back then. We had Ronald Reagan, the great Republican communicator in the White House, and we had Tip O'Neill, the lion of the Democrat as Speaker of the House, two gentlemen who did not see eye to eye on anything, including Social Security. But they did see eye to eye on whiskey, right? uh, On whiskey, yes. They did like their Irish whiskey. Uh, The key back then is the key going forward. Social Security 
is the most popular federal program in history. And most importantly, old people vote. That's what Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan looked at. Look at this incredible block of older voters. We can't tick off senior citizens and remain in office. Well, right now we have more than 70 million people receiving Social Security benefits today. It's going to be more a decade from now when Social Security is in deep financial dire straits. So they will come to an agreement. I cannot foresee that Congress would anyway cut Social Security benefits for existing or near retirees. I can see them making changes for what at that time would be future retirees. And if I had my crystal ball, which these days looks more like a snow globe than anything clear to the future, I would say, well, they may subject more wages to FICA taxes. Right now, we pay taxes on up to about $147,000 of wages. People who earn more than that do not pay FICA taxes on those excess wages to fund Social Security. Here's another piece of history. Back in 1983, the commission said as long as 90% of U.S. wages are taxed for FICA purposes, Social Security will never run out of money. But over the past 30-some years, there is such a gap between the haves and have-nots that now only about 83% of U.S. wages are being taxed for FICA purposes. If we let that gradually float up to get back to 90%, most of the financing problem is solved. But you are a certified financial planner, in addition to teaching people in every mode possible about how to handle their money and being an expert on Social Security. Even if this all gets fixed, the key message for people under 40 I assume you would say something similar to me is you got to be saving other money than just what Social Security is going to provide you. And you've got the time to do so if you're in your 20s or 30s. Absolutely. And first of all, Social Security was never designed to be the sole source of retirement income. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, it is the only retirement income they can count on. I have two sons in their mid-30s. You know, I preached this all the time. You've got to fund your future. And this is the gift. If you can start early, particularly if you're lucky enough to have some sort of um, 401k plan at work, particularly if your employer is matching the contribution, the earlier you start, that money comes out of your paycheck, you never see it. You are buying yourself a secure future. Do now, your kids I listen to you, though, more than my kids listen to me? No. Absolutely okay. I not. I just wanted to, but, just wanted to <laughs> clarify that because you said, well, I have these sons. They're in their 30s. And I tell them, but I don't know if they're listening. Here's my dirty little secret, right? People will say to me, gee, are your sons going to go into your business? I said, my oldest son is one of the top ranking DJs in the country. And my other son's an independent filmmaker. So we like to call this the curse of the creative genes. They're very happy, but they better hope I die with a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, we're going to stop right there. And I can't thank you enough. I mean, this is great having this opportunity to do a special edition on Social Security because I get so many questions that drill down uh, where, and repeatedly, we have a forum called Clark Stinks. And over and over again, over the years, people are so 
frustrated with me about saying, wait till 70, wait till 70, wait till 70. There's more nuance to it than me just saying, wait till 70. And I appreciate you introducing some of that nuance and why you would not necessarily want to wait till 70, but why you would want to wait in most cases to your full retirement age. Absolutely. That's a wrinkle that I don't really talk about. So I want to thank you very much for that. And I appreciate the time you have shared with us. And if people want to learn more from you going to deep specifics about Social Security, what are the ways they can access you? Well, first of all, um, everything we talked about is in my ebook, which I update every year and is available at www.maximizingsocialsecuritybenefits.com. Um, also, Google my name, Mary Beth Franklin. I'm a contributing editor at Investment News, which is a publication for financial advisors. And I answer people's questions. You have a question, send them to me, and I will do my best to get back to you. But a little asterisk, I have over 30,000 unread emails. If you're not at the top of the queue in day one or two, hit me back again. So wait, you are a glutton for punishment. 30,000 unread emails and you want more? I do because this is the way I have my finger on the pulse of American investors and consumers. What are their questions about Social Security? 99% I can answer off the top of my head, but every once in a while, there's a really interesting wrinkle and it sends me to my researching you know, resources to figure out what the answer is. Well, Mary Beth Franklin, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your 22. Thanks, Clark, and same to you. And I'm delighted to discover our shared history at American University.